It is great to be with you guys this morning. Let me start my timer. Um, we are continuing through the book of Matthew. And um, what I love about Matthew is that he writes his gospel with a skeptic in mind, um, and especially somebody who's got a religious background. And for, for most of us in this room, a lot of us have, have grown up in church. Uh, if you were just even born in America, America is very not unfamiliar with the gospel. Um, I think it's mo- moving more and more away from um, us taking for granted everyone knows the story of Jesus. But for the most part, anybody, a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian because I, I do good things or I try to be a good person or I've been to church, or, my parents go to church, and so forth. They're, that form makes me a Christian. And Matthew is writing to people kind of in that context. He's writing to the Jews specifically who have this understanding of God and he is making the case that Jesus is the long-awaited promised Messiah, the one that the Jews were waiting for. And for us in the context of understanding Matthew, whether you're Jewish or not, we can say, yeah, that's me. I have an understanding of God, but I need, even myself, Kelly Monahan here this morning, need to be reminded of the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the only one that brings hope. That he is the, you know, we can get in and say all the cliches, the reason for this season of this time of the year, right? And it is so true of him. And whether we've been a Christian for two years, two months, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is, maybe your whole life you grew up in, I don't know, but the, the truth of who Jesus is needs to fill our hearts over and over and over again because our hearts leak with that truth. And what we tend to do is Turn toward other things. Especially during this season, what we're going to read today, my encouragement to you is to soak up this chapter. Because what we're heading into now, it's officially the Christmas time, okay? So if you were feeling a little sheepish about decorating your house, like last month, the day after Halloween, some of us here, um, put up Christmas decorations, and you were feeling a little sheepish, now you can feel prideful right? And be like, yes, this makes sense. I have the twinkle lights going. I'm blasting the music. And we are like now heading into Christmas season. We're, we're getting deep into it. And although this Christmas season, this time of the year is amazing, right? It's beautiful. Everyone seems to be a little kinder to one another, hopefully, unless it's Black Friday and we stamp all over each other. But you know, we were saying Merry Christmas, like that's becoming cool again. It's like not politically incorrect to say that again. We're fighting for that word. Merry Christmas. You know, all these things, and we're trying to show each other goodwill. But in the midst of this season, there is this monster that wants to munch us up and rob from us the true joy. It wants to get our sights on the gifts. It wants to get our sights on, you know, the, all the things that our, heart, our, our flesh kind of longs for. And Matthew chapter 11 here this morning, Jesus calls us to come to him and find rest in him. And so my encouragement to you this morning is, as we're reading through this scripture, let's say, Lord, will you search my heart, all the things that I'm wanting to put my hope in this time of the year. Maybe it's a family member I haven't seen. Maybe, God, you're going to renew this relationship. Maybe I'm going to get this gift or this thing I was hoping for. You know, maybe my, my wife or my husband will hear all the hints I've been giving and, you know, finally pick up on it. I don't know. Whatever your hope is in this, this season, don't put your hope in that stuff. Put your hope in Jesus, the Messiah, the one true king, the one who satisfies, the one who brings peace the one who 
gives us rest in the midst of a chaotic season. Amen? All right, so let's, let's read our text this morning. If you have your Bibles, um, join with me in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind me. And this is Jesus here. He says, verse 25, chapter 11, he says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus speaks almost directly to us now, and he says this in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, Upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are like the, the light shining in the darkness. You're the, you're the blade that just cuts through. And in the midst of this season, all our hopes, all our fears, uh, all the things that we're, we're longing for, the things that demand our attention, Jesus, you come right in the middle of that and you speak to us with your grace. And this morning, we, we want to reorientate our hearts to you, Jesus. We realign our lives to you, Jesus. Let's not be distracted by all the stuff and all the things and all the trappings and all, all of that is, is fun, but it's not you. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide our hearts this morning, open our hearts to hear the truth of your word, that we may become more like Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Matthew gives us this text here. He records Jesus' prayer. Um, and... I just love that the scripture that we happen to land on it this morning because I feel like it's so appropriate for this. It almost gives us a, like a really good footing to start off Christmas time. Most of us would say, hey, Christmas, we should read the nativity, you know, and, and we remember we, we read about the three wise men, but we should, let, let's go back there and, and read about how the camels and the little, the little sheepies and the shepherds, you know, the little precious moments, like let's allow that to kind of happen. But I, what I love about God and his orchestration for us here at Chino is that he said, no, Matthew chapter 11 is going to be perfect for us to start off this Christmas season because it's speaking about what everyone thinks about during this Christmas season, the rest, right? Rest. That's what you guys are all feeling like. Can't wait to rest during this Christmas time. <laughs> and God in his wisdom and his providence this morning gives us Matthew chapter 11. I think there's four things that we can learn from here. There, there are four verbs that we can see recorded that Matthew speaks here. And I'm going to give you this first one. It's, it's come. It says it in verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are oppressed, all you who are poor and broken and weary. Um, and one of the beautiful things about this, this invitation from Jesus is that it, the fact that it comes from Jesus himself. It's so, it's so meaningful. Here's what I mean by this. Look at Luke chapter 4. 
verse 17 through 21. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have it. And I'm just going to get there if you don't turn there in time. It says this, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, speaking of Jesus. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And he's, now he's quoting from Isaiah, okay? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim in the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus comes into the temple. He unrolls the scroll. He quotes, uh, he reads from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, and then this is what happens in verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. It's almost like this drop the mic moment. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, it says. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now that would have been a deep, profound moment for these guys. That would have been blasphemous for them because what Jesus is saying is this, this Messiah that was prophesied back in Isaiah's day in chapter 61, which I'm gonna read right now, that God will bring liberation to the poor. He's gonna bring freedom to the captives. Today, you're hearing me say this and it's fulfilled through me. And it's the same Jesus who reads this in Luke's gospel that we see in Matthew's gospel where Matthew's saying, hey guys, he is the Messiah. He is the, the prophesied one. He is the one who will take away your burdens. He is the one who will bring freedom to your souls. Is the same Christ who says, come. Now, for those of us who have been saved any period of time, we go, yeah, I know that. I get that. I could probably maybe even say that better than you, Kelly. Like, you should have said it like this. And if that's you this morning, and that truth has not gone from here to here, oh, let me encourage you this morning. Rekindle that beauty of who Jesus is in your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on that flame this morning. The fact that the Almighty God, Jesus himself, says, come to me. And this is who he says it to. What did he say? All who, what? labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So Jesus is speaking to the poor, to the broken, to the downcast, to the sinner. He's not speaking to the self-righteous. He's not speaking to the person who thinks they have it all together. He's not speaking to the person whose 401k is all aligned and every, every month they go visit Charles Schwab and they're feeling good about every visit. They come out and like, oh, yes, this is amazing. My life is perfect. Look how well I've planned. I have no wants. I have no needs. Everything is lined up. Ducks are in a row. Jesus says, no, those of you who are poor, those of you who are heavy burdened, those of you who are feeling a little lonely during this Christmas season, come to me, the one who fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. I am God, and I bid you come. That's an amazing, beautiful truth. Now, the problem with that is some of us here this morning say, well, I'm not really poor, I'm not broken, I don't feel particularly needy, not heavy laden. And I would, my encouragement to you this morning is check your heart. Check your heart. Matthew's gospel here, I didn't read this yet, but we're going to read it now. 
to look at uh, verses 20 through 24. Jesus says this, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. That's, that's an interesting truth here that Jesus did a lot of miracles in these cities that we're about to read here. A lot of signs and wonders, a lot of good stuff God did among them. But they didn't repent in verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, this is a place where Jesus probably did most of his famous healings. Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, we all know Sodom and Gomorrah, detestable place we understand, it would have remained until this day. So here's what Jesus is saying. If I would have done these miracles and these works, and if I would have shown my goodness in a detestable place like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. But you haven't. Verse 24, but I tell you that it would be more tolerable, tolerable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Look at the context here, how Jesus says, come to me, find rest. Those of you who are heavy, laden, poor, and downtrodden. And those of us who say, maybe this morning, I'm not like that. I got my stuff all together. I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually a really good moral person. And Jesus says, come. And Jesus, in the same sentence, if you don't repent, says, woe to you. Check your hearts this morning, right? I'm checking my heart. I'm checking my heart. I know that there's sometimes where I have, I feel pretty good about myself. I feel like God's like putting a little star on my poster by my name for the week, you know? He's like, whoa, look at that. Little Johnny, put, yeah, let's put a star by your name. And my heart kind of defaults toward this. I don't need to repent. I don't need, I'm not really that bad. Jesus says, woe to me. The reality is that we don't really know how bad we are until the truth of how bad we are has been revealed to us. You know what I mean? And, and I mean that in that we have icky sin in our hearts. My dad, for those of you who don't know, heard the story we recently discovered this year uh, that he has leukemia. And uh, the only reason that he found out that he was sick is because he had some uh, things going on with his heart that he did know about. And so his heart was jumping all around. He has a, this thing called atrial fibrillation. And what that does is sometimes the heart will like, one part of the chamber of his heart will pump, and the other one won't, and then it'll catch up and do all this weird stuff and it makes him feel really terrible. So he's having a, like a bad episode. Calls the ambulance, they pick him up, they run some blood work and they're like, well, Mr. Monaghan, um, this doesn't look right. Your blood work doesn't look correct here. We wanna run some more tests. Comes back to find that he has an acute form of leukemia. Did he know that by just looking at himself? No way. He kind of felt pretty good, except for the fact that he knew about his heart condition, right? We all know about the things that we know about our own, like where we stink, or, and we kind of know, well, this is the area where I'm not that good in. But it's the blind spots that we're not aware of, and it's not until the prognosis comes, you have leukemia, and you're like, what? I never knew this was happening inside of me. 
And for those of us who would be here this morning unrepentant and think, man, my life's pretty good. I don't really need God. I can like just kind of dabble in the Christianity kind of thing. Jesus says, woe to you. Now that's a Christmas message, right? You guys feeling encouraged this morning? Man, we can have sin. We are sinful. Jesus set us free from that. But the reality is that we're all broken. We're all needy. None of us are perfect. Now, that may sound like bad news. But the good news for my dad is that he's now aware of what's going on in his body. And now they can address it. Right? And for those of us, when I say, hey, we're all sinners. We all need to repent. We all need Jesus we go, oh man, you're right, I'm a sinner, what should I, whatever shall I do? Well, that's good news because now the truth has been revealed that we are broken, we are needy. And it lets us know that we are in need of a savior. Jesus answers that question. He continues, not only does he say come, but in verse 29, he continues his, his call to us and he says, take upon me my yoke, right? Um, now, let's talk about what a yoke is. We live in the year 2018, soon to be 2019. Has anyone here ever worked with a yoke before? And I'm not even talking about eggs. Not a yolk. That's a yolk. Just to be clear, a yoke. And I'm not talking about like a yoke, like that's, no, no, never mind. Some of us might pronounce joke as yoke, depending on how you grew up. <laughs> Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this thing. A yoke was this wooden piece of beam, and it would be placed on the neck. Are you right there, Isaac? <laughs> a yoke was this wooden beam that would be placed on the neck of an oxen. And what it would do is they would attach ropes to it, and then behind that would be a plow, and the yoke would be a way of being able to pull this burden behind the animal, Okay? And it was heavy, right? And so when Jesus says, take my yoke, it's a little bit confusing for us because one, we see that the context here is he's talking about us being set free from this heavy laden, this burden, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, but take my yoke upon you. Is it like a bait and switch? What's he doing here, right? So why does Jesus say, come to me, all of you who are poor, all of you who need to find rest, and take my yoke upon you? The idea what Jesus is trying to contrast here is the idea of a yoke of religion versus the yoke of the gospel. This is the beauty of our gospel, friends. This is the beauty that you and I get to serve under is the fact that before Christ, there was all this thing called the law. And all you could ever do to try to find favor with God was to perform the law perfectly, right? You had to, you, in order for God to, to find favor in you, you had to do everything right. And what the Pharisees during this time was they added like some 600 laws on top of the laws. And so this, this understanding, this yoke that, that they would carry of religion was crushing. It would just defeat them. There was laws about like if you were to bathe on a Sabbath, get out of the water really gently and slowly because if you spill water on the floor, you're not allowed to wipe it up because that would be a sin to wipe up water on the Sabbath. Just stupid laws, crushing laws. And Jesus says, he says, come to me and take my yoke, exchange my yoke for this junky, 
clunky, worn out, cannot help you in any way kind of religion that you've been walking on with. You've been carrying around and you're downtrodden. You're trying to say, God, look at all the good things I'm doing. I'm trying, look at, I'm pulling the plow. Look at, I'm plowing the fields. I'm trying to keep all these things in order and I'm doing, and I'm not doing it pretty well. And Jesus comes and says, throw that yoke off. You'll never please God with that kind of yoke. My yoke brings freedom. My yoke, when you take it upon you, is easy. It's light. It removes this crushing weight of religion that you and I somehow, for some reason, although we sit here every week, we may read our Bibles every week, we may be gathering together and fellowshipping every week, talking about the beauty of the gospel, our hearts somehow just kind of default towards this religious yoke living. I know I do. Look at God, look at this heavy weight I'm carrying. Aren't you so proud of me? God, look at all the good things I'm doing. Look how much I'm sweating. Aren't you proud of me? And he goes, no, boy. What are you doing? I told you, I have a different yoke for you. That one gets you nowhere. That one does nothing but crush you. My yoke brings freedom. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it. It's a Lord of the Rings reference. But it's like a mithril shirt of armor. If you don't know what that is, I pity you. In the Lord of the Rings, there's this, this precious metal that's called mithril. And it, it, it could be tweaked and, and, and it's super light but super strong. And there's this mithril shirt that, that Bilbo wears and it's, he could, it's like light as a feather. But this giant enemy, I'm, I'm going to get it really nerdy on you right now, this troll tries to spear him, right? And everybody thinks Bilbo's definitely dead. And all of a sudden they pull off his, his outer garments and they see this mithril shirt. They're like, oh, mithril. <laughs> but without it, he's unprotected, but it's light. Frodo, thank you. Yeah. You guys, this is where the church gets it wrong over and over and over and over. It says, if you fit, want to fit in here, put this yoke on. Dress this way. Talk this way. Read your Bible this many times a week. Come to this many services. Give this amount of money. Serve on a serve. I mean, these are all good things, but what we do is we, we replace this for the yoke of Jesus. We say, if you want to fit in, if you want to be a good Christian, look this way. And it's the same thing the Pharisees did. Don't get out of your bathtub too quick. You'll spill the water. Don't act this way. Put, wear these kind of certain clothes. And when we put on the yoke of Jesus, we find that it brings freedom. It brings liberation. Now, there's another side of this coin, and that's number three. And Jesus says, not only come and take, but he says, learn from me. Now, the reality is that when God calls us to a gospel of grace, it's not cheap grace. It's not this understanding that I can just do whatever I want, 
wherever I want, with whoever I want, however I want, and God will just forgive me And because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And uh, yes, that is true. Jesus did die on the cross for your sins. But when he calls a person to repent, that repentance is a grace of all of our lives. And so in the same sentence here, when Jesus says, come and take my yoke, he also says, learn of me. And what does that mean to learn of Jesus? To learn of Jesus is to be a disciple of Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus means that we make Jesus, his, him, our Lord and Savior. And the Lord is to be a master. And for those of us here this morning, you say, yes, I'm under the grace of God. I want to come and take upon me the yoke of Jesus because it's light and it's easy. It does come with a price. And that price is us sitting under the submission of the Lordship of Jesus. The yoke of Jesus brings freedom. The yoke of Jesus protects us. And the yoke of Jesus perfectly fits us. It's tailored to every dimension of who we are. For those of us, I don't know, I don't know if women do this kind of thing where they go to a tailor, but I know men can go to a tailor and get a suit. And no matter how in or out of shape you are, the beauty about getting a tailored suit is when you put it on, you feel like a million bucks. I had, I've only had one tailored suit in my life. And I remember getting there and the guy's, you know, going, writing the chalk on the thing. And, I, you know, you're kind of thinking, how good is this going to get, right? Well, I remember going and picking up and it's like, oh, this thing was like made for me. <laughs> this thing makes me look amazing. <laughs> and it's not until I put it on that I get the benefits of it, right? And some of us want all the benefits without putting it on. And Jesus says, yes, come and take, but learn of me. Put on what I have tailored made for you. No matter how in or out of shape you are, this fits you perfectly. And when you set yourself under my discipline, when you become my disciple, then you find true rest because you're not chasing after all these things that you can never accomplish in your own power. Paul says it this way in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Powerful, contrasting, polarizing words, right? This phrase doesn't work if you try to replace it with anything else in the place of Christ. Try it. For me, to live is preoccupation with family. To die is gain. Doesn't work. For me, to live is success. To die is gain. For me, to live is money, is power. I don't know, whatever it is, is health. It doesn't work when we take the word Christ out of that. And Jesus, when he calls us to true rest, he says, learn from me. Take my yoke. Put on this, the tailor-made suit that's just for you. It's like a mithril shirt. It's light. It's like a feather, but it protects like nothing else could.
We find true rest when we do these things. I love this, that Jesus ends his prayer with a statement that his, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. To be honest with you, when I read that again this week when I was studying, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. I was like, surely that's like prosperity gospel a little bit, right? Come to Jesus and everything will be easy. Everything will be light. I mean, if you've ever read Diedrich Bonhoeffer, for a man to become a disciple is, is someone who comes and dies. Yes, hardcore. I love that kind of stuff about the gospel, you know? I love the suffering aspect of the gospel. I don't know what it is about it, but I'm like, yeah. And then Jesus says, no, 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 put my yoke on because it's easy and light. And I was like, what are you talking about, Jesus? When I come and I surrender my life to you, that's all of my life. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for me to say, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, with all of who I am. But this is what I think Jesus was saying. Jesus' yoke is easy and light because he's already done the work for us. Jesus' yoke is easy and light because he's already done the work for us. That's a beautiful truth. See, he doesn't say, I'm just going to give you a different looking kind of yoke. You know, that one was wood, but this one's like 2.0. And it's really shiny, and it lights up, and you say, hey, yoke, give me directions to Southlands Chino. Okay, Southlands Chino. It's not all fancy. Just He's not just giving us a better version of a yoke. What he's saying is, I'm asking you to exchange this work of religion, throw it off, and I'm going to give you something that gives you freedom. And the only reason that it provides freedom for you is because I've already done the hard work. I've already perfected every single law. You know all those laws about like you could do this and you can't do that and this and this that you're always trying to do on your own strength and then you get depressed because you feel like you can never do it or sometimes you do really good and then pride wells up in your heart and you feel pretty arrogant about your Christianity. You know all of that stuff that we walk on a tightrope Jesus says to you guess what I've done all of that for you it's already done. You don't have to try to perform. All you have to do is say yes to the yoke that I'm giving you. And the yoke that I'm giving you is gonna empower you. The yoke that I give you, it's gonna protect you. The yoke that I give you is gonna give you freedom. The yoke that I give you is gonna set you free from all the crap of religion. Sorry, pardon my French, crap. Jesus has already done the work for us. He did it perfectly. Um, this is what it says, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, for our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Speaking of Jesus, the Father made Jesus to be sin who was perfect. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Is there anywhere in there that Paul says, because you were such a good Christian, the righteousness of God was bestowed on you? Because you carried your yoke so well and that heavy thing and you made all the religious people in church happy with you, therefore God accounted to you righteousness. No, it says, 
He made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's called the imputed righteousness. It's, it's, God is the essence of righteousness, and then he therefore, through the work of the, on the cross, he puts that inside us, but only if we take upon the yoke of Jesus. So my encouragement to us this morning, friends, why carry around a yoke of religion? Because it makes you feel better about yourself? Because you want other people to see how hard you're working? Because somehow the enemy has lied to your heart that if you do all these good moral things that God will be more happy with you? That's a lie from the pit of hell. The truth is that Jesus has already done the work on your behalf. And when he says to us this morning, come, take, learn, what he's saying is, I've already done the work. It's easy. It's light. Put on that mithril shirt. Don't reject it. Don't be like these cities who said, man, I, my stuff's pretty, pretty good. I'm all together. Let's find our rest in Christ this season. Everything's going to be vying for our attention. Our hope, our rest, our peace. Will you stand with me this morning?